you know, you wanting to make this journey on your own. You want to discover it yourself because I think, you know, we had that with veganism, the two of us, we discovered it on our own and we kind of had our, you know, we had nobody breathing down our necks trying to like make us do better with this. And it was just kind of something we stumbled into. And I think it needs to apply to kind of everything in life. Like I think a lot of times when you're vegan, you start to look at other areas, you look at your products making sure they're cruelty free you look at your clothing you look at um like things being zero waste like that's something that I know Nikki and I both this past like these past couple years have kind of started to make these little swaps and these changes and it's about giving yourself the grace so that you don't have this overwhelming feeling of like being perfect and messing up and like that the anxiety that comes with that like I'm not perfect when it comes to plastic but I every day I'm trying to be make those little changes to be better. Hi there, Veggie Mates. Welcome back to the show. You just heard from Hannah Hagler. She is one third of The Vegan View, and today she and Nikki Varangikan are our special guests. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, I'm your host, Matthew Davey, and this is episode 47 of The Veg Talk Podcast. This show is all about bringing new conversations from leaders in the plant-based and vegan community from around the globe, We have the opportunity to take a deep dive into their world, and I hope our chats are able to help you live a life with more kindness and intention. If you've been following along the Instagram page, you will know that we're up in Truckee, California this week, looking after three amazing dogs. It's been an awesome time and a great chance for us to get back out in nature with some really nice trails on our doorstep. You can follow all of our travels on Anna's YouTube page, that is um, easily found by searching for Anna Alarcon or just going through the bio on the Veg Talk Instagram page. This week, we received a new review from listener Jeff Stroud. He said, Matt, thank you so much for the amazing podcast. I'm loving almost every episode I've listened to. This podcast was just what I needed because my purpose has gotten stuck of late. So thank you to you, Jeff, for taking the time to tune in and leave a review. I really do appreciate it. If you'd like to leave one of your own, please do. It helps the show massively, and I really enjoy hearing all of your feedback. Just head to the podcast app on iPhone, tap the stars that you'd like to give us, and then scroll down a little further to the Write a Review button. All in all, that probably takes about two minutes. It's uh, fairly quick and easy to do. So thanks for the support. I do really, really appreciate it. Also, if you're sharing on social media, don't forget to tag us and we can repost. Now let's get zoned in for today's show with the girls from The Vegan View, Hannah and Nikki. If you are not familiar with their show, now is certainly a good time to go and check it out. Hannah and Nikki, along with previous podcast guest Nisha Balsara, have an awesome weekly show featuring amazing guests, food reviews and tips for people that are either currently or planning on adopting a vegan lifestyle. Today, you'll get to know much more about their backgrounds. Nikki comes from a Norwegian family and Hannah is originally from Arkansas. We also cover a pretty broad range of topics in this free-flowing chat, from how the current president is treating women to grilled cheese taste tests. It was a fun one. Hope you enjoy the conversation, Vegemates. I will catch you briefly on the other side to wrap it all up. All right, guys, we're here. We're live today in Los Angeles. I'm with two really cool girls from The Vegan View. We're with Nikki Varangikan, Nicole Varangikan, 
and Han- Hannah Hagler. Girls, welcome. Thank, Thank you. It's awesome. Exciting. So just a little bit of context, guys. So we had um, a, a really cool girl by the name of Nisha Balsara. We know her. You do? Bit. Yeah. <laughs> we had her on probably a couple of months ago now. And she is she is the third person part of this group, the Vegan View. So um, it's cool to have it's cool to have you both on. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're excited. excited. Yeah. We're, we're big Nisha fans. Oh yeah. <laughs> big Veg Talk fans too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's that's cool. Good to hear. Yeah, no, Nisha's a legend, but we're here today for you guys. So looking forward to getting into it. Um let's start let's start with you, Nicole. Okay. Let's um let's learn a little bit about, you know, just your background, where you're from, where you grew up, what kind of family dynamic and, and maybe what kind of food was on the plate when you were growing up. Yeah. Um, so I grew up, my mom and my grandma raised me. They're both from Norway. So I'm first generation American and I grew up in Florida. So it was a big contrast between, um, kind of Southern culture with, uh, my family who was Norwegian. Um, but I feel very, I feel like I had a very good experience with both because my grandma and my mom really taught me a lot of, uh, Norwegian tradition and I feel very Norwegian in a lot of ways. Uh, but also, you know, I grew up here and all my friends are American. And so I love all of the, I love that side of it as well. Um, food was a really big deal in my house because my grandma, you know, very old fashioned from the country in Norway. So cooked breakfast, lunch and dinner. And we very rarely ate out at restaurants. And that's definitely influenced me now. I have a cooking channel. My channel uh, on YouTube is all about recipes and how to make cooking fun and normal I think people think it's a really big deal to cook dinner and for us it was like we cook three times a day it was just how what we did it was affordable it was healthier that way and so I just I I learned a lot of that at home that's really cool where in Norway do you know um so yeah my grandma was from a town called uh just called Drammen it's like a very small town in the country and they had a farm there and yeah they kind of moved my mom lived all over but Oslo area is where they are now that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I've been to Oslo. It's a really, it's a beautiful city. Yeah. I was just there a couple months ago and we were there for the 17th of May, which is the uh, Independence Day. It was so cool because I've never seen an entire city. Everyone dressed up. Everyone was on the streets. Everyone, like we were just walking down the street. People were hugging us and waving flags. It was Cute. crazy. It's free ice cream for kids all day long on that day. It's a huge celebration. That sounds like a really good way to feel Norwegian. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was get, really fun. Get to that event. That yeah. sounds really cool. Yeah. Are you a are you a citizen or no? No. I should be. I wish. That would be really <laughs> I cool. I think there's a way that I can be, but I haven't haven't done that yet. Sort that out. Yeah. Yeah. At some point. That would be a really cool ticket to yeah to the homeland. Dual citizenship. Yeah, that'd be cool. Definitely. So, what kind of you know what's a traditional dish in Norway? What does that look like? So everyone thinks of Norwegian food as a lot of fish, um, and it is. But we, my my grandma grew up on a farm, so it was a lot of meat and potatoes, and a lot of um, really just simple steamed things. Not a lot of salt, not a lot of pepper. Just very very basic. So it's not really in that way now. I mean now there's every kind of food. You know Oslo is very um, there's I mean everything you want you can find, but uh, traditionally it was very simple like boiled potatoes, boiled carrots, and some kind of roast meat or uh, steamed fish. And so when I started to learn to cook, I was watching the Food Network as a teenager and Rachel Ray was like my hero. And I was like, Grandma, you can roast things with oil and you can put basil and red pepper flakes (laughs) and it tastes so good. And she always thought it was way too much and extra. But um, 
but it, it was really good to kind of have that foundation of real food. We didn't have a lot of junk food growing up at all. So it was really helpful for me now as someone who is very plant-based to realize that I actually enjoy eating that way because it's kind of how I grew up, just minus the meat. Yeah, cool. Yeah. How was it in, you know, in Florida growing up? Was there any culture clash like living yes. at home with, yes. you know, <laughs> a Norwegian mom and uh, grandma and then going to school in, in Florida? Yeah, well, first of all, um, normal kids like to have sleepovers with their friends. My parents thought it was the weirdest thing in the world. Like, why would you sleep over at someone's <laughs> house? I'm not letting you sleep. I'm no, who are these people? What, what are you going to do? Why? And I was like, Mom, it's so fun. Everyone's doing it. Just let me do it. And she was like, absolutely not. So there were a lot of sleepover parties I didn't get to go to. Later on, as a teenager, I finally convinced her. I showed her movies and things where sleepovers were fun and people ate popcorn and watched movies and it was totally normal. But for a while, it was a big fight. So just little things like that that you wouldn't expect. And then also the food. I wanted American food. I wanted mac and cheese and hamburger helper and you know that kind of thing. And my grandma would spoil us with that sometimes. But for the most part, I was... I, I both loved and hated the duplicity of it because as a kid, you want to fit in and you, you just want to be like your friends and you don't want to be different. Um, but at the same time, I did love my family, obviously, and I love the culture. So it was tricky. I think a lot of people who are first generation American experience that or first generation anything experience that. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, we had a similar conversation with Nisha. Yeah. Uh, it's always, yeah, it's interesting to hear that perspective when you personally didn't grow mm -hmm. up that way mm -hmm. so i'm really fascinated by it yeah it's really it's really cool to hear yeah where did it go from there in florida like school wise mm -hmm. what did you study and and stuff like that it's funny because it's i think that the thing people always wonder how you find your passion or what your passion is and um, I think it's really interesting to look at the things that you loved as a kid. And as a kid, I mean, I was a teenager watching the Food Network and all I wanted to do when I was in, when I was, you know, 10 was, um, was like watch Martha Stewart and do what she was doing. <laughs> and that's very similar to what I do now as an adult. Um, so at around the age that I was supposed to leave Florida and go to college, uh, I realized I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do in college. The only thing I really knew that I liked to do was cook. So I enrolled in the Culinary Institute in Miami. Um, and then I, I kind of thought, oh, I don't know if that's really what I want to do, if I want to be in a kitchen working. But I wanted to have like a cooking show. So I thought, but I didn't think that was really a possible thing. So I just explored for a while and I got an internship in LA at a modeling agency and I was just like filing people's modeling cards and it was just a way to get out here. And it took a long time before deciding to go to school, went to study journalism, then I started writing for a newspaper. It was like a very long and twisted road that led me back to where I started, which is that I love cooking. But it helped me realize that I wanted to do it not in a kitchen, not in a sort of restaurant environment, that I wanted to be able to share what I know in a on media. So it kind of involves the journalism. But yeah, Florida, moved away at 18, ended up cooking somewhere down the line. I, that's really cool. I saw that you also went to New York briefly. Yeah. yeah, I lived there and I was writing for a newspaper called the New York Observer. And I started in web and TV and then I got to do local news, which was fun. And then I did um, style and all kinds of different things. But always my favorite pieces were the food pieces. <laughs> and as a Floridian, yeah, having lived in LA as well, yeah, how was New York? How did you handle the cold, the winter there? Okay, the winter is why I left. Lit <laughs> truly yeah. <laughs> it was so hard um 
that and it was it was difficult as a freelancer to get steady income it's very expensive to live there but i moved there in the summertime and i had this amazing internship at the paper where i started and it was a dream and i love it and i miss it all the time but i had already lived in la and i realized that the lifestyle in new york is very um grueling and grind and just there's a grind and it's difficult it's not the work i love the pace of the work i'm very like that but i um i found that i just didn't enjoy my lifestyle there and it was very difficult the weather and work and everything just kind of compiled and I was like I need to go back to LA immediately I miss my friends I miss the sunshine and I miss the healthy lifestyle as well California is a stereotype for a reason there's a big focus on health and fresh produce and getting out and green juice and all that stuff (laughs) and that does not exist as much in New York at least not back then Definitely. I think the sun kind of promotes that. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, you want to get outside. You feel better. You want to have a cold juice. You want to get to the farmer's market or whatever it might be. Yeah, it's true. um, Yeah, we like LA. It's cool. It's taken a little bit of getting used to, especially Mm -hmm. with a big van, but (laughs) um, we we really enjoy it. Parking is probably Yeah, I was wondering how you guys parked here. (laughs) Yeah, shout shout out to Ralph's. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, so we're parked there at the moment. No, that's really cool. I'll try and tie all this up somehow with with hannah's journey as well but let's um let's shift over to you hannah welcome to the show and um let's hear a little bit about yeah your uh your childhood growing up in um in the in the south or the the central part of america yes so i actually grew up in arkansas Uh, my family moved out here when i was 15 so i've lived in california for a while but i definitely like most of my childhood memories are in arkansas and um yeah, food-wise, is was very classic Southern. Both my parents are from Arkansas, born and raised as well. So um, a lot of meat, a lot of dairy, like a lot of fried things, barbecue. So never in a million years did I think I would be vegan, <laughs> loving it, sharing it with the world. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think I can, you know, <laughs> I, I, I kind of vibe with that like never thought i would be sharing it so passionately so it's cool to hear that what were what were the reasons for moving here like often i see in america that if you know parents are born and raised in an area uh, they like to stay there Mm -hmm. Uh, they typically stay in the one spot for their for their lives we see it all the time especially in the northeast we see people that live in boston haven't Mm -hmm. been in new york city Mm -hmm. or haven't left new england Um, what was the reason that they wanted to move across to California? Um, my dad grew up racing motorcycles and he ended up like kind of living, he had a single father that raised him. So he kind of ended up living in California for the summers and basically where, where we moved Orange County. So he was in Long Beach and Orange County and he would ride his motorcycles on the weekends. And then during the week he'd be working at a gas station and he just fell in love with the lifestyle here. And I think he just always knew that he wanted to be here eventually, but my mom was in Arkansas. So it was like kind of, he had to go back to be with her. And then I think they just started having kids and the whole family was there. So we did kind of get stuck there, I think, longer than he would have liked. But it was always something we knew we were going to do was move to California. So we would vacation out here. And I think it just felt right. You, I, I really believe that you that people belong in a certain place. And we just really belonged in California. 
my brothers and I both felt at home here. So when we moved, even though it was kind of at a weird age, like in the middle of high school, it felt really normal and natural. And yeah, it was a great transition for everyone, I think. Cool. So I was going to ask, like going from, I've never been to Arkansas myself, so (laughs) I don't have like a real clear picture in my head of what life would be like there. But I imagine that moving from Arkansas to California would be just a huge change, change of scenery. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Arkansas itself as a state is really, really beautiful. I always tell people it's one of the prettiest states I've ever been to, and you never hear anything about it. And I think a lot of people... I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah, I think a lot of people think of Arkansas as like this flat, dusty mm-hmm. town, which is some of the states that surround Arkansas, no shade, but <laughs> Arkansas itself is actually very lush, green there's mountains i mean there's flatter parts of arkansas but where i'm from is northwest arkansas near the ozarks and it's so beautiful i i went back a few years ago and i i kind of like found my love for it again so to speak but um i feel like culture wise i appreciate california a lot just because there's so many different people here and so they all come from so many different walks of life that i i like that diversity i find it inspiring so yeah, definitely. <laughs> it, that is one thing that uh, California and Los Angeles in particular uh, can really pride itself on mm-hmm. is the diversity. Yeah. We were at it like a p- food pop up uh, last night and one of the girls that owned Avocado Mama, I think that's the name of the, the place. We were like, oh, yeah, we've been living in Boston the last five years. And the first thing she <laughs> said was, oh, the diversity is really good there. <laughs> and like a really no. sarcastic way and we were like yeah you're right i mean it's like super yeah. segregated um mm-hmm. we used to live in east boston where it's all colombians all el, Sal- el salvadorians and puerto ricans mm-hmm. two stops i'd be in downtown and downtown is just you know white people in business uh, attire mm-hmm. on a work day yeah. so like it's really segregated so she hit it on the head um and yeah. that's cool that you kind of embrace that here. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And I, I definitely think that some of the states in Central America, they get a little behind on the time. So it's like they're five years behind California in everything. So yeah. I really, I love that. I, I, I always felt a little behind, like I've always felt a little a step ahead of other people in Arkansas. And so I feel better about like being in California and just being around open-minded people that, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, know <laughs> I kind of went on a weird tangent that no, didn't wrap mean. up well, but yeah. yeah. In terms of like tolerance and like what's, right. what's kind of normal and acceptable. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. It, there's a lot of homogenous, yeah. like uh, homogeny. I don't know if that's a word, but uh, yeah. there's it is now. going on there. It is now. I made it up. Yeah. <laughs> Let's add it to the dictionary. <laughs> Where, it's, yeah. it's an interesting point you bring up. It's, it's not really, yeah, something I thought we'd, you know, go down the track of. But that's what podcasts are for, you know. <laughs> yeah. I was, we were talking today about Donald Trump mm-hmm. and, you know, he kind of sticks to these certain states to do his rallies and whatnot. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys saw, but recently he told four women in Congress, four women of yeah. color or three, I can't remember. Four. He told them that they should go back to where they come from. That they're American citizens. <laughs> they're, they're obviously American citizens. They're in Congress. Yeah. And it, regardless, yeah. really regardless of, of whether they yeah, are or not, that, yeah. um, it's just such an alarming, you know, comment. 
This is the president of the United States of America. And then last night, apparently at one of his rallies, people were chanting at the rallies, like, send her back. Send her back, yeah. So, what do you guys think of that? I think... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I think that sometimes it feels like you're living... Like, America isn't one unified place. It's so different. And wherever you go in the country, you're going to find, you know, this person is American, this person is American, but they live and think so completely differently. And that can be really scary. Sometimes, um, I think... Ultimately, we have way more in common than we than we don't. But with this president, I was listening um, on The View today. Actually, they were talking about how a, um, if a boss said that to an employee, if, um, go back to where you came from. That's not allowed no, in most corporations. And if, and if an employee, if I, we were working the same place and I said, go back to where you came from, I could get fired for that. Yeah. But the president can say that and, you know, and not and not get in trouble for that. I think it's I just think it's. I think it's bad behavior. It's like disrespectful at the end of the day. Yeah, and to use your to be a person in power and to talk to people that way is just. And there's so much more. There's so many more effective. legitimate ways to to criticize someone's policy if you don't agree with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he was bringing up that one of them has made anti-Semitic remarks. Whether or not that's true, I think like that's what you should be focusing on and not their place of origin. I mean, he did that to Obama too. You know, always bringing up the birther thing and where his. Um, where he was actually from, even though it, he, it's just, he does that. I think it's to rile the, the base. Yeah. Definitely. And he's, like what you say, there's there's many uh, different ways to, to criticize someone. But the the part that I really don't get is that, well, I understand why he's doing it, but he's using it for his advantage, mm-hmm. which to me is, it's crazy. Like, you know, we're in 2019 and I suppose the reason I brought up the point was because it does seem like he is way behind mm-hmm. the rest of the country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's, yeah, he's targeting this base that are also uh, in line with, with him. Didn't previously, they probably didn't previously feel like they were uh, allowed, allowed to talk about it. And now he's giving them kind yeah. of energy to talk about it, which yeah. is, uh, I don't know, it's crazy. Yeah. It's scary, but I, I think, you know, to make a positive out of it is I think it has fueled a lot of people to start talking out about things, especially when it comes to respecting people of color, people of different genders, people of different sexual orientations, whatever that may be, whereas I feel like it wasn't as discussed before. So if anything, it's kind of lit a fire and opened to that conversation. Yeah. Hopefully it makes its way to middle America and maybe some people can, because I think a lot of times you get stuck in a bubble. And even in LA, sometimes I feel like we get stuck in a yeah. bubble of open-mindedness, yeah. whereas we forget that there are Where these places. Where nothing is wrong and <laughs> yeah. everything is okay. And, 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 I don't and know people about are that so respectful yeah. of your beliefs and your opinions, like especially being vegan in LA. I lived in Orange County last year um, for many years, actually, and then just moved up to LA this past year. And even the there's a disparity there where people in Orange County being vegan I felt like was very weird, odd. They didn't understand it. They didn't like it. They were off put by it. Whereas here I can encounter people that may not be vegan or anywhere near being vegan, but they're like, that's cool. And they respect it. And they'll try it. It's not this weird thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Another great point. Like, yeah, I feel like the outer coasts of America, Mm -hmm. we can get trapped in this bubble of like uh, a democratic mindset and everyone around you is, you know the same so we're Mm -hmm. all towing the same line Mm -hmm. traveling in a van going through a a state like south dakota you you, 
start to gain a little bit of appreciation for why they might be um, voting for someone like Donald Trump. Right. Yeah. So well, yeah. Florida, I grew up very much around that culture and in a lot of ways that way of thinking and i don't think that everyone like everyone in those states that are red states are necessarily completely i don't think that being republican or conservative means that you are a trump supporter i think trump supporters are their own thing yeah, but it they're does a tend special to be, special breed yeah of people in <laughs> sometimes you just say words and i just love the way you say them thank you there's so much fire behind it but um but it's like, you know, but I, I do I, I do understand it. And I understand that they think that they're fine. I mean, I always try, anything I don't understand, right? I always try to, what what is the thought process? Where are they yeah. coming from? I think it makes you more empathetic and compassionate. And with that, I think it's, they may, a lot of conservatives don't like him necessarily, but they care a lot about the issues that they care about. And they mm. are more, it's more important to them that someone is in power that is Republican, that is making that happen. So yeah, I do understand that. And I think it comes down to people wanting to fit in and feel like they belong. And especially in a place like the South where it's very, I mean, church is a big deal. That's like a lot of people's lives revolve around it. And it's, it kind of does remind me of veganism in a weird way because it's a community that you belong to and you share similar values and beliefs with people. Um, but there it's just, it's, it's like a way of life for them. So I think a lot of times, you know, people go to church to feel like they have a sense of community and then that ends up being what they align their beliefs with. And then that's, I think that's how kind of like their views get a little homogenized. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So many points. Yeah. (laughs) It's, um, it's a, yeah, it's a crazy, it's a crazy world, but I think everything you've said, it makes a ton of sense and if we can bring it back to just empathizing with their position mm-hmm. why they might be voting that way and i don't know trying to progress as a united country rather than like these segregated like little little pockets i suppose mm-hmm. it is tough when you've got like the leader as yeah. far to the right on the spectrum as possible yeah. i suppose and you're talking about like a CEO getting fired. I don't know. I'll, I'll end it here. How do we how do we fire the president? That would be that <laughs> that would be nice. I think he you needs to be the right group of girls. Yeah. Let me tell you. I think we'll tell you. I think he needs to be fired. But yeah. let's um you know get back to you, Hannah, and what you you know what you were doing at school and and, and what your kind of like aspirations were as a as a younger girl. Yeah, sure. So um so I stayed in California for school because I was in love with California and finally feel like I had like made it home and I ended up studying marketing and I was kind of I'm the daughter of a lawyer and the granddaughter of a doctor so I was basically told if you're not going to be a doctor and you're not going to be a lawyer you better do business <laughs> so I I picked the business major that was the most appealing to me which was marketing and I definitely don't regret it because I think that marketing can be applied to any industry and it, I found it to be very helpful with a lot of things that I have decided to do in my life but um yeah, so directly after college, I went and worked in finance, and I did that for five years. 
I got all my licenses. I thought for sure that was going to be my destiny. I really wanted to be this like powerhouse female financial advisor. Um, I kept hitting these roadblocks though with the culture in the finance industry. It's very male driven and um, dated. And the particular firm I worked for was a very like mom and pop firm. So there weren't a lot of um, procedures in place to like help women get higher up on the ranks. So it was kind of one of these things where I was felt like I was going to be an assistant for the rest of my life. So I kind of felt like the universe was pushing me towards something else. Um, when I was working my desk job, I was blogging on the side. I'd go home every single day. I would take outfit photos or I would do a, a DIY project or I would make a recipe or whatever it would be and write it and post it on my blog. So that kind of became where I would put my creative marketing tools to use, so to speak. And um, there came like a point where I knew I wasn't going to be able to work in finance anymore. So I took that leap of faith and decided to just do blogging and see if I could make it happen full time. And I did that for a few years. And then I, I watched this video that said, if you could do whatever you wanted in life and you didn't have to worry about money, money wasn't something that you cared about, what would you do? And the first thing that popped into my head was acting. And so I, I, I did theater growing up. It was like one of the things that, you know, to circle back to Nikki saying that you, you always kind of know what your passions are early on in life. And mine were definitely acting and writing. So I ended up pursuing both of those. I was like, I'm going to get back into acting and I'm going to do my blog. And yeah, so now I'm just living that artist life. <laughs> really cool. Really cool. I mean, Eliza, Eliza, like the perfect spot for, for acting. Yeah. Um, what does that entail? Like getting back into acting or, or, you know, starting that after you've done this finance job? How does that look for you? Um, so I, the first thing I did was hop into classes and I highly recommend that for anybody that's interested in acting because you build a community and you also get those tools under your belt. Had I just decided to go on auditions without taking any classes first, I would have been in for a huge, huge rude awakening because there's a lot of things that you just don't know until you get that practice. So, um, yeah, I would say get in some classes, meet other people people that are trying to do what you're trying to do I've created so many fun things with other actors that are also trying to you know it's a rough world out there so getting cast in something is not as easy as you would think it would be I kind of had this delusional idea that I was going to move to LA just go on all these great auditions immediately get the best agent in the city and it's just not like that um, but I I've actually I, it's cool because I get to create stuff that I'm really passionate about and I get to play the characters that I would like, like I would, I want to play. I don't have to wait for someone to write that perfect role for me. Yeah. So I've been doing a lot of stuff like that and I highly recommend that for anybody who's like just starting out and wants to get into it. Yeah. Really cool. That kind of, you know, that whole mentality of like not having to wait anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, there's media platforms out there that allow us to get into what we want yeah. to do without having to get like you know a hotshot agent mm -hmm. or without having to work for like said media company mm -hmm. we can do it ourselves now and you know where we kind of are now in the conversation you're both kind of arriving at that point of of youtube or blogging yeah. mm -hmm. so i suppose you know what did that look like for you nikki in terms of deciding to start a youtube channel deciding to start your own media platform 
Um, so I also grew up, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so I also grew up taking acting classes and I did a lot of writing as well, which I think all, Nisha, all three of us did. It's something we've bonded on and I didn't want to act professionally, but um, I do think that everyone should take at least one acting class mm-hmm. in their life because everyone. it helps you so much. <laughs> And it helps you uh, just in everyday conversation, being able to sort of bounce ideas off of each other and feel comfortable. But a lot of what we do on camera now, you draw back on those things that you learned in acting class. So I, I always, I did things, as I explained earlier, kind of seemingly randomly, but now it all kind of fits. So the writing that I did at the paper goes into what I do now. And the acting mm-hmm. classes that I thought were a total waste because I don't want to act anymore, I use that all the time on camera. So... I guess to answer your question, I was right before I started studying journalism in school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was hosting at a restaurant. I knew I liked writing. I knew I was interested in acting and this and that. And I know I like to cook. How am I ever going to put those things together without having a full-blown cooking show on the Food Network? And why would I get that? I have no qualifications. (laughs) So that's kind of where it started. I was watching YouTube and it was back in the very beginning days where I was mostly beauty bloggers and I loved what they were doing. And I realized that there was such a cool community online of particularly young women. And I always thought that it would be really cool to be able to connect with the community in that way. And at the time, since it was makeup, I started doing makeup tutorials, but I had no, I don't really know how to do makeup, (laughs) but back then you didn't have to be, it wasn't like all these amazing makeup artists that are on there. Now it was very, you know, DIY and little tips and tricks and things. And so that's what I would do. And I would do, I would show how I was curling my hair and I would show what (laughs) candle I bought at the store, just anything to uh, share. I've always loved like that show and tell element of it. And then I realized that I can also cook and do these what I eat in a day videos. And when I went vegan, that was always like kind of a hobby on the back end. And then when I went vegan, I became so passionate all of a sudden. And I realized that not only is there not a lot of information about veganism, but there's also not a lot of people who are promoting home cooking. It's either, like I said earlier, these grand sort of fancy one-off holiday dinners or everyone's just getting, you know, frozen meals or takeout all the time. And I realized that I had something to offer. I had something to, I had something to teach that I could show people that eating healthy is, is relatively easy and I can share the skills that I know and um, and that's how it became more of a cooking channel. And that was about three years ago. Sweet. Three and a half, yeah. Yeah, I, I love that. I mean, it's. I feel like it's something we should be learning earlier anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, totally. When you leave home and it's like, hey, do you cook? <laughs> no. Do you cook? No. It's like, yep. shit. Yep. Peanut butter and jellies <laughs> for a week. That's me and my boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. We eat out almost every meal. Yeah. But that's so expensive. And I never really feel... Um, I never, I feel like I always feel the best when I cook at home, just body wise. Right. So, yeah. So I just wanted to have a space where I could show that. And I just became so passionate about it. Really cool. No, I really, I really like that. And your channel's doing so well, um, which is, which is really cool to see. You mentioned veganism being, being kind of like the, the instigator for you to, to go down this track. So what made you decide to, to choose like a vegan lifestyle? YouTube. I was watching vegan YouTube what I eat in a day videos and they were so colorful and vibrant and fun and there were some Australian YouTubers in particular who just it just seemed so cool like I was (laughs) and I was always amazed because I had had um, an eating disorder in the past and I 
always sort of felt like in order to be healthy, it was about being very good and restrictive and these small portions. And here are these girls who are eating these massive plates of, of plants and these really beautiful looking dishes and really promoting being full and satisfied and abundance and that was the actual opposite of everything I ever thought when I was being good it was restriction and small and portion control and all that Um, so I was very drawn to that just out of curiosity and the more I did it the better I felt no intentions of being vegan ever I thought that was loony but (laughs) literally I thought why would you ever do that to yourself it sounded ridiculous to me Um, but then the more I learned about it the more I very quickly things started clicking for me and it really aligned with the values that I already had in my heart. And so it was a very natural progression after over a couple months. Nice one. <clears throat> yeah, I think from what I heard, like I, I think I'm a bit behind with the whole YouTube thing. So like <laughs> I, I wasn't on it when everyone else was like watching YouTube. But I, I hear that a lot of veganism was like raw. Yeah. And, and fruit-based diets mm-hmm. and stuff yeah. like that. Did you come across that at any point? I did. In the beginning, I definitely tried to do high-carb, low-fat. And it was a lot of like melons and things like that. I immediately got very shaky because um, I got like hypoglycemic from just eating fruit. And then I'd have a cup of coffee and then, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I had no idea what I was doing. And, um, and I just didn't feel my best that way. I eat a lot of fruit and vegetables and I feel really good when I eat that way. But... I do feel better when I eat cooked food, but that was just something I was open to trying. It wasn't like I'm going to be 100% raw and that's it. I noticed that I didn't feel great when I did it that way. And when I started to have things like oatmeal in the morning, you know, maybe a smoothie a couple days a week, oatmeal another couple days, like that's how I felt the best. Yeah. So I just did that. It's, um, I suppose it's satiating when you're full, Mm -hmm. you feel light as well. You still feel light even if it's cooked food. Yeah. I think that was the biggest thing for me was me not feeling like I wanted to have a nap after having a meal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's definitely been a huge benefit. Well, I did it slowly. So I had gone like several weeks being vegan. I hadn't made as much of the ethical connection at that point. It was very experimental and just fun and, you know, the cooking elements of it and just trying something new. Um, but I had, and I had been vegan for a couple of weeks and then I was going to be traveling and I thought, well, I'm going to still try to eat as healthy as I can and as vegan as I can. But you know, I wasn't vegan, vegan yet. So I, I was like, you know, if I come across something and there's no other option, I'll just do that. And, um, I had meat at a restaurant with a couple of my friends and it had been the first time in several weeks, actually meat, meat had been, I hadn't had it in the summer and I was unbelievably shocked at how awful I felt it was so heavy I was full for so long and I just didn't feel right I felt puffy the next day I just didn't like the way I felt and I couldn't believe that something that I had used to eat all the time like sometimes multiple times a day made me feel this way so no it's crazy how quickly our bodies uh change and adapt even our taste buds quickly change and adapt you think like oh I'm gonna miss you know that kind of fatty salty taste so much Mm -hmm. and then you start craving uh, more healthier foods rather than those foods yeah so yeah it's it's cool our Mm -hmm. bodies are kind of crazy so yeah um yeah definitely some cool things to highlight also for people that are kind of worried or Mm -hmm. cautious of trying a, a vegan diet for even a week you know, people are very hesitant. I know. Because you think you have to do it perfectly. You think you have to be 100% vegan or 100% raw in order mm-hmm. to try it. And you don't. I did it. I started with breakfast. That's why the ebook that I wrote is called 30 Vegan Breakfast. Because I started with breakfast. And then I just ate however I normally did that day. And I realized I can have a vegan breakfast every day of the week and feel really good. 
So that's that's how I started. And then I started to realize that if I did that, then I could have a vegan lunch or a vegan dinner. And the more vegan I felt, ate, the better I felt. And it was just like a no pressure experiment that I really enjoyed. Very nice. Very nice. Hannah, how about yes. how about you? So, you know, again, getting away from finance, did you find it did you find it difficult to go from that nine to five structure where you, you know, you're walking to work and you know you've got a list of things to get done? People mm-hmm. are kind of uh, asking for, you know, you to do things mm-hmm. or, you know, w- whether you're like empowering yourself to have a list of uh, things to do when you're, when you're in the office. Leaving that and getting into a life where you're, you know, blogging and making videos all on your own accord mm-hmm. Did you find that transition difficult or was it something that, you know, you kind of smoothly went into? Uh, no, it was definitely difficult um, because I think we put a lot of value on ourselves when we feel needed. And so leaving, especially being an assistant, I'm needed every single minute of the day while I'm in the office and people rely on me for things and then I get things done and I get a gold star, you know, like theor- theoretically or whatever. But Um, going to doing things on my own it was uh, all up to me at that point I had to put in the work I had to find myself the jobs and get them done on time and there was no gold star (laughs) I had to give myself the gold star so yeah that structure I definitely miss so I don't think it's for everybody like I have a lot of people that are like I want to do it full-time and I'm like all right well make sure that that's what you want because it is very different and you have to be a very organized, self-motivated, determined person. And I think you also have to have a really high sense of self-worth, which I didn't have when I first left finance. And I've gotten to that place in my life now where I feel like I have it a little bit more. Cool. And with your channel, mm-hmm. you were blogging about fashion beauty Mm -hmm. is that also what your youtube became yeah so i was blogging about fashion and beauty i was i went vegan and i was kind of hesitant to talk about it because i didn't want it to disrupt like i didn't want to confuse my audience i didn't want to like kind of disrupt things and also because vegans have such a terrible reputation i really didn't even want to use that word for a very long time and and now it's all i use (laughs) (laughs) with the complete opposite direction but uh yeah, and but it, it came to a point where it was so, so ingrained in me ethically that I couldn't be recommending a leather handbag anymore or wearing leather shoes. So I would insert it like subtly, as subtly as I could. Like, oh, by the way, this is a vegan handbag, yeah. <laughs> which it's is like great. When parents sneak vegetables into the mac and yeah. cheese. <laughs> yeah. She was like, "Here's a cute shoe. It's vegan." Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> so that very the, clever. The shoe was like the broccoli. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Precisely. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And then YouTube. I actually had just made my first or second YouTube video when I met Nikki, and she told me that she was a YouTuber, and I was like, "Oh, I'm trying to do that YouTube thing as well." And she was like, "You should totally do it," and kind of gave me the encouragement I needed to actually pursue it. And similar to her, a big reason why I wanted to start talking about vegan fashion and vegan beauty and skincare on my channel was because I didn't have a resource for that. And so I spent a lot of time doing research myself, trying to figure out cruelty-free brands and vegan products. And so, you know, 
I felt like if I was already going to be doing all this research, I should be sharing it with people. And yeah, there just there wasn't a lot of it. There's still not a lot of it, to be honest, out there on the YouTube world. Yeah. So no, you do such um, a good job at it. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's so, yeah. it's much needed. It's something that I think can be often be overlooked. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the the beauty products, the the sanitary products, whatever it might mm-hmm. be. It's not the thing that people first think of is vegan, is yeah. it cruelty free is it vegan is it tested on animals that kind of mm. stuff so did veganism kind of evolve for you from just solely an eating perspective to hang on a second this actually affects other areas of my life that i'm also passionate about yeah yeah totally um it, well it ve- i came to veganism strictly on an ethical basis for me it started with I was fostering dogs, um, shelter dogs. So I, I was actually going to the shelter and picking them up myself because I would get these little, I was a part of a Facebook group. I would get these notifications of these dogs on death row and they'd be like, this dog has 24 hours before they're picked up or they're going to be euthanized. And um, I would text the girl that I adopted my dog from. She runs a, an amazing rescue out here in LA called Mayday Rescue. And I'd tell her about these dogs and she's like, go get them. You know, they'll be a Mayday dog. We'll pay for all the expenses and we'll get them a home. So I was doing that for a while. And I'm not really sure. Like, I think there were a lot of little seeds that were planted before I finally was like, okay. I started to feel really hypocritical that I was saving these dogs on death row and I was super, super passionate about getting them out before they were euthanized. And then I would be eating animals on my plate that. I didn't value in that same way at all. And I watched a video on pig farms and they reminded me so much of dogs and just the way they were crated up, they looked like dogs and the way they were with their babies, they looked like dogs. And I realized how smart and similar they were and it just felt so weird to me. And um, so I, I just felt like a huge hypocrite. And that's when I started to kind of make my way towards veganism. And it didn't happen overnight. It was, you know, cutting out pork and red meat. And then I slowly made my way to chicken. And then fish was the last thing to go for me. But um, when what kind of sealed the deal for me was I watched a documentary called Vegucated. And I, I was hysterical. <laughs> and that kind of was like the final straw for me where I knew that I couldn't participate in eating animals anymore. It was not ethically in line with what I believed in. And so um, after that documentary went vegan and then it was a process then from there to be like, oh, well, now I'm wearing leather shoes and that's just as bad as eating the animal on my plate. And, um, you know, I'm buying products that have been tested on animals, which you know, I love dogs, so why would I do that? I love bunnies. I love all animals. So, yeah. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a it's a cool evolution. I think it's it's the story for a lot of us when we mm-hmm. when we decide to you know stop eating animals for whether it's health, environment, ethical reasons, whatever it is. There's always kind of like levels of awareness mm-hmm. that keep coming to us, and I, by no means am I even close to you know being there i suppose because there's there's always things that you start learning about always so with the with the cosmetics mm-hmm. 
what kind of things do animals get, you know, put through? Um, so all kinds of things. Uh, a lot of people think that animal testing is just like putting lipstick on a bunny rabbit. That's not the case at all. They actually will pour chemicals down their throats. They'll put them in their eyes. They'll put it on their skin. Um, a lot of them die a very painful death because of it. Um, and the point is to see if like those chemicals would have a reaction on humans as well. But the technology wise, they have a lot of different alternatives where they don't have to do that anymore. So it's kind of a dated thing. I'm actually shocked that they still do it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not good. It's not pretty. (laughs) No, it's certainly not. I mean, it's, yeah, you're right. It's widespread. I mean, in, in that industry, I think, uh, the, I suppose the bigger brands are probably more, uh, guilty of Mm -hmm. of putting animals through those processes. Mm -hmm. I think the more smaller, uh, brands now are much more conscious about what they're putting out into the world. Totally. So what can someone do, you know, on their own when they go into the shop, what can they do to, you know, make sure that the product they're buying is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not tested on animals. It's cruelty free. It's vegan. What can they look out for? So if it's certified cruelty free, it will have a logo on it. Um, there's quite a few different organizations. Um, Leaping Bunny is one of them that you've probably seen. That's one of the bigger ones. Um, and it's like a little bunny that says cruelty free. But I would suggest first um, going to, there's a few great websites that I recommend. It's that I'm, I'm constantly on these websites. If I'm in a store, I'm just like looking up the product to see if it's on their list of cruelty-free products. And that's Logical Harmony, Cruelty, Cruelty-Free Kitty, and Ethical Elephant. And I actually have them linked in the description box of all of my YouTube videos. So that's like an easy way to access them. Um, but yeah, I think that's a really easy way just to like, if you're in the store, look it up real quick, see if it's cruelty-free, or just check the back of the bottle and see if there's a cruelty-free logo. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. No, really helpful. Um, I know we, you know, we started doing that a little while ago as well. Mm-hmm. Just making sure everything that we are purchasing is cruelty free, yeah. and then it starts evolving into plastic free and yeah. looking for, you know, yeah. reusable items as yeah. well. So it's like, yeah, it's a cool thing you can take on yourself and and, and start to incorporate into your own life. Yeah. It's so I think you alluded to it. Uh, you alluded to it before, but. How did you guys? How did you guys meet? It was it was through YouTube. No, actually. No? So um, I met Nikki at a pop up. It was a vegan di- vegan dinner pop up. Um, I think it was through Instagram. There was a pop up dinner called Spontanea, and I went uh, with my friend Danny, who was on the show with us a while ago. And um, yeah, we just were excited. We were both very new vegans at the time, so we really wanted to try this like <laughs> dinner party style. It was the first vegan dinner party we'd ever been to. Um, and then Hannah was sitting right across from us with her boyfriend, who is now the producer of our show, The Vegan View. Mm-hmm. And they were so cute, so funny, <laughs> and so nice. And we were, we just, yeah, we had so much in common. It was funny. I always say the stars kind of aligned and univer- the universe brought us together because that dinner is something that my boyfriend and I would typically never go to. Yeah. Like to not know a single soul there. And we also were the only vegans we knew. We didn't have any friends that were vegan, no family members that were vegan. It was just this very weird secretive kind of thing we were doing. Um, it was really out of our comfort zone and weird that we even went. And then to be sat right across from Nikki and, and we were vlogging too. We yeah. were so awkward because you didn't have a YouTube channel then. So we were but just I knew like, what you were you doing. Were like <laughs> slow panning over the food. And then she, I was like, 
We didn't care. No, I, I, I turned so to Jesse. I was like, they're YouTubers. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be friends. Yeah. And well. here we are. <laughs> cool. So, I mean, that's a, that's a nice way to meet. Yeah. Yeah. It almost it almost sounds like some kind of speed dating thing where you yeah. you know you end up at a restaurant <laughs> or something like that. But, um, yeah. How does it how does it evolve from there? I mean, it's it's cool that you you know you're both new vegans. You're both obviously looking for kind of people to bounce off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now you have this really cool show on YouTube that you you know you do weekly called The Vegan View. Mm-hmm. How did that come to be? And where does our friend Nisha come into play as well? I, for, I was going to say we forgot to include Nisha in that yeah. story because she, she didn't make it to the dinner, but she had met uh, Nikki and Danny before through YouTube. Yeah, through social media, yeah. Yeah, you guys collabed on some videos and together. And all of us met at a veg fest. We were all just going to hang out yeah. one day. and Which is a great place to meet other vegans yeah. for people out there that need to meet vegans. Yeah. And Vegan so, festivals are the best for that. Oh, the best. So much <laughs> and fun. everyone's so happy. Yeah. It's really good vibes and really good food. So yeah, it's a good place to make vegan friends if you guys have one in your area. But um, the four of us started, we just clicked when we met and then we would hang out at one of our houses or at a restaurant and we would just sit and talk for so long and we were the only vegans in our own individual world. So when we get together, we would really talk about, well, what do you do for this? And how do you mm-hmm. substitute this? And what do you do when someone says this to you? Or I keep getting this question all the time. What do you guys say to this? And we would just talk and talk and talk. And we realized that we always felt so much better after these conversations. We felt connected. We felt stronger in our beliefs and we felt mm-hmm. like we got whatever, you know, <laughs> angst was built <laughs> up from being misunderstood by society yeah. out of our systems. And we thought, well, this would be really cool to, to just, um, video with the world yeah Yeah, and that way if there's other people who are also the only vegans they know Mm -hmm. they can benefit from being part of the conversation too yeah so that's how the show happened i think we also felt that again like the reason we both started our youtube channels that something was missing because vegan youtube at that time was just it was very aspirational um which is awesome there's totally a place for that but we didn't see as much um of the struggles of, of being vegan, of like being the only vegan in your family or how you deal with Thanksgiving or how you deal with getting a gift that's not vegan. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to address all of that. And then we all are our own people and have different perspectives on it. So, yeah. And also just to show that it can be so normal, you know, I think people again, think of it as even if they are interested in being vegan, they think of it as this kind of, well, those kinds of people Mm -hmm. do that. And we all had very different backgrounds and we still came to veganism and enjoyed it in our own way. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to show that and that it doesn't have to be perfect. And we also, there was a, there was a whole side of the YouTube space where people were like very they would call other vegans out or there was like yeah, this negative. angry side of it. And we, from day one, decided that we didn't want to have that kind of show. We wanted it to be like, even if you only do meatless Mondays, that's cool. Even if you um, are plant-based and not fully vegan, whatever, you're, you're trying your best and that's what we care about and that's what we wanted to promote as well. So it's not an exclusively vegan club where mm-hmm. there's like these perfect vegans and then everyone else is, should just do nothing. We, we would rather everybody do a little bit of something and that's the whole like backbone of our show yeah very nice did you guys kind of like huddle around a table and and set this stuff out before you you know started filming for it was like very it was very deliberate um yeah i mean it was something we always talked about and then we did a a video on my channel 
where it was the four of us just taste testing vegan food. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, as I was editing it, my boyfriend from the other room shouts, you guys sound like the vegan view. <laughs> the vegan version of the view. Which I died because I watched the view on ABC yeah. every day. So and I was like, and so I, I texted it to the girls and they thought it was so funny. Yeah. And then um, Danny, the other girl, uh, her husband was like, wait, you guys should actually do that. Mm-hmm. And we were like, oh, yeah, we actually should. Yeah. That's a really good name. And it felt like it happened <laughs> all at once. We just showed up to film one day and Jesse had major big cameras everywhere and like <laughs> microphones and stuff. And I was like, I guess we have a show now. I know. It is it weird to watch very... the old ones though, yeah. where we didn't have all that equipment. Yeah. And it was, well, it was like still way more than what I was doing. Yeah. I thought it was very impressive. <laughs> Who needs your own network when, you know, you've got Jesse, right? Yeah. Exactly. It's like yeah. you said, it's so crazy this world we live in where, you know, you don't have to have a TV. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have a network to buy your TV show. Mm-hmm. You can just throw it on YouTube mm-hmm. and reach so many people. It's yeah. so cool. In saying that, if there is any network, (laughs) like, shouldn't, like, the vegan view, I mean. That'd be amazing. It's 2019, guys. Let's let's get this on TV. How do we do that? Oh, man. That's the the dream. I mean, that would be awesome. (laughs) That'd be awesome because I think it's really important. We have people who watch the show that aren't vegan. So many. But they have, like, a vegan family member or a Mm -hmm. vegan spouse or something, and they want to know more about it, and they're interested in it, but maybe they don't feel like it's for them, but it's still you know, I think a really good way of spreading information. And we try with our guests to have a ton of, ton of different types of mm-hmm. people and from all walks of life and so, things like that. So I think, I think it would be a really cool TV show because there's a lot yeah. to relate to. Yeah. I said humbly. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it happening. I mean, I'm just, I'll sit here and wait. I, I'm sure it'll, it's going to happen. I, I can see I it happening. So. so I think a huge part of what you're talking about is the messaging, mm-hmm. you know, being inclusive, being positive, regardless of where someone is at, you know, on their journey, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't exclude someone from watching your show if they're not vegan mm-hmm. or if they're only doing Meatless Mondays, whatever it might be. What is the importance of positive messaging? How can, or just messaging in general, how can it go one way or, the, or another Uh, speaking from my own experience, (laughs) when I first went vegan, I was, I I tend to be like a, a little bit of a fiery personality at times when I'm really, really passionate about something. And veganism was that for me when I finally realized that I, it was like the blindfold was ripped off. I realized that this is this, we're mass murdering these innocent creatures. We're keeping them captive. It's, it's terrible what's happening. And I just thought that if I told everybody in my life, they would all instantly be like, Oh my God, you're right. And, and, and want to learn more and be interested in it. And I had the complete opposite reaction. I came full force with everybody, with my parents, with my friends. And everyone was just like, whoa 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 this is so weird like what's happening to you like this is crazy we're not going vegan we don't want to look at it we don't want want to watch this documentary you're talking about and so I kind of learned the hard way that that was not going to be an effective way of getting my point across and you know met these ladies who are great inspirations because they just kind of let their vegan light shine without having to like pressure anybody into it and I think that's just such a really good way to go about it. It's just to be that good example. Definitely. So how were you that good example, Nikki? Well, I don't know. I, I have friends in my life that are probably like, oh, she did that too. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that I just, 
no one likes to be told what they're doing is wrong or that they're bad. And I think when I when I discovered veganism, I things clicked for me because I already had that foundation of those values already in my heart. So it wasn't like before I was vegan, I was just this callous person who didn't care at all. It was just that there was there's a lot of um, disconnection. So I realized that anyone who isn't vegan or doesn't believe what I believe or whatever doesn't make them a bad person. There's already a lot of good going on in every single mm. person. And it's just about connecting dots for people. And like you said, planting seeds. And I think um, doing it in a way where you use what you're good at. Oprah says that if you use your personality, (laughs) if you align your personality with your soul, you can like use your personality to express what's in your soul. So Hannah talks about vegans vegan uh, fashion and beauty through what she already loves to talk about and it just happens to be these vegan swaps and for me I I um, spread the vegan message by sharing what I care about which is helping people cook and eat healthy and save money on food and that kind of thing and it's not like you have to be a totally different person in order to to care about veganism it's just you find how it works with you and then the same same thing when spreading the message I think totally and the I suppose like I I understand where you're coming. Mm-hmm. I was that person yeah. as well. Yeah. We've all been that person. And it um <laughs> it definitely it didn't rub with people the right way. Right. And they were the people closest to me. So yeah. that frustrated me. Yeah. So a frustrating. Lot. But luckily, I had Anna to calm me down. Mm-hmm. So you know, much needed force in my life to be like, look, man, you're doing it the wrong way. Yeah. Like, you so can't, understandable. Can't you see that the people that you're you're talking to they're not they're not reacting well to your mm. approach so maybe just change it up a little talk about yeah. it less yeah um so yeah messaging the right way can be super powerful but also messaging i won't say the wrong and the right way it's probably just like more aggressively versus not so aggressively mm-hmm. um or um really paying attention to the person you're talking to because everyone's different yeah, so someone totally. might benefit from an more aggressive style someone might be like oh thanks that's like the that's the band-aid i needed ripped off yeah Uh, other people might be like i don't want to be put in a box that quick uh hold you know pump the brakes a little bit Mm -hmm. so and it doesn't have to be with just veganism does it it's um it's it's not just veganism and an experience i had uh, on instagram was it was to do with posting a like I do some landscape photography on a on another page mm-hmm. on my personal page, and I used to geotag the exact location. And uh, a person came to me in the comments section and just said, "Hey, I'm not sure if you're aware, but you know, geotagging actually is detrimental to it, to the environment because mm-hmm. uh, a whole lot more people uh, they start going and they might not take care of it like it should be taken care of. Mm-hmm. Here's a website that you can learn more about geota- geotagging and the effects it has on the environment. Mm-hmm. And for me, I didn't feel one bit attacked. I could see that that person just wanted to educate me on what they were passionate about. Mm-hmm. Without making assumptions or making you wrong. Exactly. Shaming you. Shame, yeah. Exactly. What did I do? First thing I went, clicked the website mm-hmm. have a look this makes a lot of sense i'm, I'm going to start incorporating it into my own life today mm-hmm. like there was no hesitation yeah so yeah it's it's really really important and it's a cool way of um yeah i suppose showing veganism to the world on on your show it's, yeah. it's yeah. super inclusive 
Well, I think people are gold star oriented, like you said. We yeah. both are definitely. I always, uh, I think everybody wants to feel like what they're doing is good, right? So that's why when people go on diets, they have like a cheat day because they can reward all their good mm-hmm. behavior. It's kind of the same thing with anything you're passionate about. I've also gotten um, messages on Instagram about things that people didn't agree with me doing. And I've had people inform me in a way that was respectful and compassionate Mm -hmm. and the way that we talk to people in regular everyday life you're not at the post office you know (laughs) speaking to the people in your neighborhood aggressively and you're not like like all capital really (laughs) to the person in front of you at the coffee shop down emojis (laughs) exactly or like like outright yelling at them you know what I mean yeah the really the when people are like really (laughs) in the comments that's always rough because it it never reads kindly you're always um sorry no but I think that's just not how you treat people and you wouldn't ever do that to someone face to face but there's something about online and when you're passionate about it I totally get the keyboard warriors yes but then they'll yell at you and they'll say and even if they have a point which oftentimes they do I think there's something to learn from everyone so they may have something you might be interested in but when they're attacking you there's at least for me it feels like why are you attacking me why are you making assumptions about me instead of just sharing something in a way that is how you would how you would how we all know to treat each other it just doesn't it's not effective it's not digestible and it makes me want to retreat versus embrace you know right how you would say it to them in real life like that's how you if you are if you do really feel the need to say it on instagram maybe ask yourself would i say this to my friend in real life yeah and if not you probably shouldn't post it yeah so you know how you get warnings on the computer or yeah. on it'll give you like a, you know, do you really want to discard this video? Would you say this to your friend in real life? Yes. <laughs> Are this you sure be, you want to post that? That should be some kind yeah. of, it's so true. It's like, so true. Why don't we think about that? We, we had a discussion yesterday about trying to tackle this kind of theme. Like how do we you know basically stop the bullshit like Mm -hmm. it's um it's a hard one like people getting sexualized as women on the internet Mm -hmm. would you say that to them at the beach no would you say that to them in real life some people might (laughs) would you say to the extent that they do no would you say that to someone in the line at the post office she gets asked for feet pictures all the time i cannot imagine someone going up to her and actually being like hey can i see your feet no one uh, would do that. But why do they do it online? It's so know. weird. I saw her post something along those lines on a story one day. And yeah. I was yeah. like, do you, I asked, I was like, do you really get people asking yeah, that? Nisha? It's weird. And she's like, who doesn't? And I was like, <laughs> is it that normal to get asked about feet photos online? Like, I was kind you of blown get away. Weird stuff. I've never gotten that. I've well, gotten one or two ones, feet. Actually, yeah. I've gotten but one I think or two feet. people but just she came gets over regular, to regular, like yeah. regular Weird. weirdos. Yeah. It's yeah. unfortunate. <laughs> but we all get weird stuff in our own way. But for the most part, I do think, I just think that it comes from a place. Well, not that. That's perversion. That comes from a place of perversion. <laughs> but that's a whole other yeah, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, even that I don't even want to say because I'm like, I'm so democratic. I'm like, well, I mean, there's a community for that where it's like a safe space and consensual. But, you know, just don't ask people who aren't a part of that community. Just assume that they want to be asked those questions. Anyway, sorry. Um. We need 
Feetstagram or Feetbook yeah. or something where the... <laughs> Hashtag the, feet consent. The, the feet, feet people book. can Ooh. hang with the other feet people and it's all okay. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. Do yeah, what you no do. Judgment. Right. But yeah. like for people in general with, um, with the sort of keyboard courage that we were talking mm-hmm. about, a lot of that I think is it comes from a good place. They're so passionate right. and they do, they actually feel like what you mentioned earlier about cutting the bullshit. They think that's what they're doing. I really believe that. I think they're just yeah. trying to be honest and blunt and to the point and not sugarcoat it because they, especially with environmentalists, they understand um, that we're in a, we're in a crisis you know, with, mm-hmm. with the, um, climate crisis and they want to just cut through the fat and just get the message across. But I think what they're doing is making this sort of, again, a like section of perfect yeah. people. And then everyone else is too intimidated to join versus I think if you give people a gold star for each good step that they do, you know, yeah. remembering to bring their bags to the grocery store, getting a reusable coffee cup, whatever each Every time you get that gold star, it's more motivation to do another thing. And I think if you really want change, you want big, massive change, not micro change. So those those steps towards getting more people on board is going to create the biggest change. Yeah, I, I've kind of stopped. T- I went the complete opposite route and kind of completely stopped talking about veganism in my everyday real life. And especially because I have that voice and that platform on YouTube and Instagram, you're going to find it from me anyways but I as far as like with my friends and family I really don't talk about it I just eat my vegan food at dinner and I you know live my life the way I would and I found that it I does attract a lot more people to I've had friends come up and say I'm doing meatless Mondays now can I get some um, recommendations on vegan meats that you really like or I'm cutting out dairy so like what's a good yogurt and and I always try to give them that gold star yeah. to give them that encouragement. And I find that that's they feel good about themselves because they feel like they've done something good. And I feel good because I've encouraged them and appreciated their efforts. Whereas what I was trying to do before was just not Well, if you <laughs> feel like you're always doing it wrong, like you're trying so hard and you're not doing yeah. it right. You bought crackers that have milk powder in them. And oh, it's like, I can never do it you right. You just want to give up. Then you want to give up. You're like, this is impossible. I always feel bad. I'm always failing. And then people on top of it are judging me. So then you get that double whammy. That's, you're it's not like, going to be vegan. Life is hard enough. We all have <laughs> our own things to deal with. And then if you, like something like eating, if you feel like you can't even do that right, that's, not healthy yeah so agreed again so many points to to kind of unpack i think one of the ones is it it can often seem counterproductive to us that if we're not talking about it all the time Mm -hmm. then how is the message not going to get across so you you automatically feel like you're not doing enough and you're questioning your work basically Mm -hmm. but what you've found hannah just coming from the same kind of like uh way of messaging in the beginning and Mm -hmm. what i found is that once i actually did take a step back Mm -hmm. that's when the change started to happen Mm -hmm. and although it doesn't seem like the logical way it would happen for whatever reason people like to feel like they're doing it on their own Mm -hmm. not force fed so uh, that's that's one of the points that i wanted to make um the other ones kind of (laughs) bypass me right now but yeah, a really important discussion and I'm, I'm not sure what we were asking of social media platforms there. I don't know if we're old enough to live without 
a gold star button or are we old enough and mature enough to not be prompted to think about we can if we can actually talk about this in real life with someone you know do Mm -hmm. we need that warning or can we you know do it on our own yeah before we hit that comment button can you ask yourself would i ask this question in real life would i send this photo in real life would i you know Mm -hmm. it's this invisible kind of partition where we're not thinking. We're not yeah. thinking about our actions and the consequences it has on uh, on the people that we're we're sending to. Yeah, I think you have a good point with it. You know, you wanting to make this journey on your own. You want to discover it your, yourself because I think you know we had that with veganism. The two of us, we discovered it on our own, and we kind of had our, you know, we had nobody breathing down our necks trying to like make us do better with this and it was just kind of something we stumbled into and I think it needs to apply to kind of everything in life like I think a lot of times when you're vegan you start to look at other areas you look at your products making sure they're cruelty free you look at your clothing you look at um like things being zero waste like that's something that I know Nikki and I both this past like these past couple years have kind of started to make these little swaps and these changes and it's about giving yourself the grace so that you don't have this overwhelming feeling of like being perfect and messing up and like that the anxiety that comes with that like I'm not perfect when it comes to plastic but I every day I'm trying to be make those little changes to be better and from where I was two years ago, it's a night and day totally, difference. Yeah. Like reusable grocery bags, never used those. Coffee shops, never brought my own cup. And now it's something that I don't even think about. But I had that grace to do it on my own. I didn't have people down my throat. Like now I do. <laughs> now I have people down my throat about things on Instagram. But it's frustrating because yeah. then you're like, well, am I not doing anything else good? Like I'm really, yeah. I'm, I am really trying to do better in the world and then to constantly feel like it's not enough is just not a good feeling. Yeah. It doesn't encourage you to talk about the good things that yeah. you're trying to do. Well, like in business too, when you're running a team or something or in school when you're teaching children, it's like, it's just, you just don't, if you only ever point out what's wrong and not what's good, people are going to yeah. give up. It's just, a, it's, it's the same with everything in life. There's a psychology to it for sure. Yeah. Definitely. How do you, how do you deal with those types of comments? So you know the ones that kind of break you down. Like they're tough to to receive. Yeah, my initial instinct is to get defensive, and that's something that I know about myself, and so I really try to work on that. And I, I think the best thing for me is to let it sink in and not react immediately, because my initial reaction is going to be a very defensive one. But if I give myself like. 10 hours to process it sometimes it has to be that long then I have a different perspective and so a lot of times when I've responded I I regret it and then I you know after I've thought about it I think of a better way to respond which you know I think it's always even if it's not a nice comment if you want to respond it's nice to respond with compassion Mm -hmm. um maybe that will make them rethink their approach the next time they sometimes we'll say something comments and send them to our group text with nisha and because you can't always tell tone by text so sometimes people are literally just asking a question is the sky blue but you read it is the sky even blue though yeah like why are you so stupid yeah and they're like no maybe they're just like is it though and so you know you need you need perspective of someone else to look at it who isn't you know feeling the way you're feeling to say I I don't think that's as big of a deal you know and that helps us a lot so we do that a lot actually yeah but not to say that it doesn't get to you because it does it does yeah (laughs) 
Exactly. We're not robots. Right. It, it definitely, it, yeah, it gets to you. And the Those point you remember. The point you bring up, Nicole, on tone, it's, it's very true. It brings up um, one instance for me where I actually reposted a guest's uh, recipe video. So the Holt twins back in Melbourne. Oh, they're I love them. Yeah, they're yeah. English and they're living in Melbourne. Uh, really cool guys if you want to go check them out. They're at the Holt twins. But... Um, yeah, reposted one of their videos and one of my, um, you know, one of the people that follows Veg Talk, they, all they said was olive oil. And for whatever mm. reason, in my head, I got defensive yeah. and thought they were coming from a whole food plant-based standpoint and saying that olive oil was a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was the immediate thing I thought of. I would have thought that too, though. Yeah, me too. Yeah. That was the first thing I thought of. Yeah, And I, I wrote back something like, hey man, it would be really nice if, um, you know, rather than pointing out the fact that there's olive oil in the recipe, we can agree that it's like animal free Mm -hmm. and that it's, you know, it's a good thing in terms of the big picture. He replied to me saying, hey man, actually, I just like the way they said olive oil in their (laughs) English accent. And I was like, fuck dude, you were, (laughs) you were... You were really like on the defense there. And his girlfriend even felt compelled to message me and go, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, like we, we, we just love the way they say it. So if, if those two guys are listening, shout, I did apologize. I Like I had to tell it. So I was right. like, hey, dude, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Like um, I was, you know, acting very defensively there. And he goes, yeah, there's a number, of, you know, there, there's a number of reasons you might be feeling that way on any given mm-hmm. day. Uh, and oh. I totally get it. So it it's true. I've experienced. It was the first time I'd experienced it online, and I felt like an absolute idiot because it <laughs> yeah. was like, dude, over olive oil is it even really worth mm-hmm. the uh, the defensive yeah. outlook in the first place. So it definitely changed my mind on it, and a, a very good point you bring up for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the vegan view. It's been going for like what a year and a bit. A year, year and a half. Yeah. Um, yeah. Almost. Almost two. Almost two. Almost years, two yeah. years. Yeah. So. I don't know. Do you ha- do you guys have like a favorite guest, or do you have a guest that maybe um, brought about a lot of discussion? In like oh one gosh. person that stands out in particular. Oh, I love them all so much. I know. Um, one thing that one guest that stands out in my mind, just based on I don't know if you can tell from the video, but just based on an energy perspective when we were filming it, was the Vegan Bros. I knew you were gonna say that. Yeah, they had a very similar outlook and perspective on veganism to us. And they're all about letting people come to you and just being that kind of attracting force. And that is just something I needed to be reaffirmed for myself. And, and I true, I think about it almost every single day when I interact with someone and the topic of veganism comes up is like, take a step back. Don't be defensive. Like just be that shining light that, brings people to you and brings people to veganism Mm -hmm. and they just had such amazing energy and such a cool perspective on life that they always kind of stick out in my mind cool yeah Yeah, those guys are awesome have they gone mia on social media yeah Yeah. i know yeah i reckon call out to the vegan bros come back yeah i know no they are they're they're awesome i'm happy we have that little piece of them you know forever that's what's so cool about youtube and they came into our studio and it was like 
so much energy the two yeah. of them because we we film um four to five sometimes six episodes in a day and that way we can um edit throughout the mm-hmm. month and make sure we get one out every monday um but so you really notice a difference like from you know hour to hour when we're filming with different people and they came in for their we had like two hours with them mm-hmm. and it was like the whole room was full of energy they have so much energy and it was such and good passion, vibes and yeah. we were laughing and it was a very memorable day for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Shout out to those guys. They've got a book, <laughs> Vodka is Vegan. Yeah, it's a good one. I don't know them personally. Um, I'd, yeah, I'd love to get them on the show. Yeah, now, you should. Are they yeah. here in LA? Um, no. I don't uh, know. I don't know where they are actually. <laughs> I don't think so. I think they no. were traveling this when we got them. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they should post on Instagram some more. <laughs> I'll look into it. I'll yeah, look yeah, into yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should link up with them. And yeah. what is next? For the vegan view have you got any plans or you know anything that you can tell us um well we just started filming the show in la now um so hopefully we'll have a studio again soon mm-hmm. and i th- we're really trying to kind of change up the types of videos that we do so we were kind of we were talking about how we don't want to ever get in a rut we want to have people guessing and we're starting now to incorporate um different like for example we have a thrift switch video coming up where we're talking about thrifting and Mm -hmm. just kind of expanding um awareness and how veganism like our show is about veganism but we're showing vegan lifestyle and not just so much on um you know the The intricate parts yeah exactly so we're trying to expand the whole messaging and do more and more creative things yeah. That's really cool. I think that's just brought up something in my head that if there's a listener out there, a Veg Talk listener that hasn't watched your show before, what can they expect when they rock up to the Vegan View YouTube channel? Um, I would say we have a little something for everybody. Yeah. Um, we we really just didn't want our channel to be the same types of videos over and over again. It started out with us just talking about the things that were super important to us that we didn't hear anybody else talk about. And then it kind of evolved into like, Hey, let's find out what the best vegan ice cream is. And like, let's start taste testing ice creams. Let's find out what the best vegan cheese is for, for grilled, grilled cheese. <laughs> yeah. We ate like 17 grilled cheeses. Yeah. We did day. a blindfolded grilled cheese taste test. Was that great. was amazing. Yeah. So even if you're not vegan and you're just like, what's the best vegan cheese? Yeah. Like we, we got you covered. And there's so many different types of videos that we do. Like you said, we do taste tests. We do videos like we just recently wrapped up um, health month, which where we have had um, doctors and um, nutritionists and uh, someone who had an eating disorder in the past and we really talked about mental health and we talked about gut health and we talk in depth um, in the in those yeah. types of videos uh, we talked about diabetes in one episode with mindful diabetic Robbie um, so we have like fun lighthearted videos we have what I eat in a day is where we show what three or say four that, yeah. different vegans eat in a day to show that there is no right way to be vegan those are probably our most popular ones are the what are. I eat in a day is because yeah. most what I eat in a day is on YouTube are just one person and while I think they can be inspiring they can also be very curated and ours are we try to make ours as like authentic and real as possible so even if it's embarrassing sometimes like I ate fast food then like that's what I'm gonna show because I I just four bowls of this (laughs) yeah 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 I just we just want (laughs) want people to know that like not every day is perfect and and for and vegans contrast. can eat completely differently yeah. like nikki eats very whole food healthy lots of plants and then Clearly. i tend to eat a lot of things with like veganes <laughs> and vegan cheeses and things like that that are a little more junk foody if you will 
I was jokingly pointing to the cookies that I've had like six of already today <laughs> before you guys got here. Balance. But also with like savory things, for example, when Nisha was going vegan, she saw nothing but smoothie bowls and mm-hmm. oatmeal bowls all over Instagram, which I love. And I was part of the part of putting that out there. But she hates smoothie bowls and mm-hmm. hates oatmeal. She wants savory, spicy things in the morning because that's how she grew up eating. And so she thought, you know, that that was going to be sort of like a barrier to entry if she was going to be vegan. She didn't want to have to eat that stuff. So I think it's really cool to show that there's so many different styles and stuff like that. Yeah. You can just do you. I do love that about all of your channels, all of the ideas that you're bringing to the world through YouTube, whether it be your own personal uh, channels or the Vegan View channel, it came from a place of, hey, we need this in our life. Mm -hmm. We should just share it with the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. Like That's how it came to be. I love the the simplicity of it, Mm -hmm. but also the effectiveness and the need for it in the world. So yeah, love that about it. Secondly, I want to be on... The vegan view on grilled cheese day. Can we do that? <laughs> I love that. We'll do a reboot, a remake yeah. for you. Yeah. <laughs> Surely there's some new cheeses out there. Oh, that yeah. Oh, there always there's are. so many cheeses. We would love that. Yeah. All right, I'm, calling Please. For, I'm calling for grilled cheese round two on the vegan view. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. And that, that would be a lot of fun. But, um, yeah, are they your favorite ones, the food ones where you kind of, you know, just, I saw there was a Carl's Jr. one. And oh, yeah. yeah. Taco Bell. Um, they're definitely fun, but we always are really bad at planning them and we'll plan like two or three in a day. And so there was one day where we taste tested <laughs> ice cream. 14. I think it was grilled cheese and like one one other thing. And one it, other thing too, but it was 14 ice cream because ice we did two ice cream taste tests yeah. <laughs> and the grilled cheese taste test. And I think we ordered lunch that day. Oh yeah. Cause wow. Yeah. <laughs> and there was also something else and we were like, not okay. <laughs> we were not okay. No. I had like a food hangover from that. And we always think we're going to be smart about it with the ice cream <laughs> taste test. We always think, cause we've tried so many vegan ice creams on the show and we always think, okay, we're just going to try one little bite. And that way it's like only 14 bites yeah. of ice cream. That's totally reasonable but, but no. it's never that because you it's can't like decide. i need one more bite but wait was this one the one? Oh no it was that one and then it's just your half yeah. ice cream by the end of the day 30 bites later i can picture that if if i was jesse in this <laughs> in this whole scenario i would be forced to be the vacuum cleaner for the rest of it so is is that the case for jesse is he is he trying the same kind of stuff no you guys remind me of us where but i'm the foodie and he's not so I, I'm obsessed with food. My day revolves around it. And he loves food, but he's also just like, meh. <laughs> he never eats the stuff that we eat. Sometimes. Really. Yeah, sometimes. Like the grilled He'll cheese. He'll just be like, yeah, I'll try it. Yeah. But, but no, also, I'm the, vac- I'm the vacuum. I'm the vacuum. And listen to all the chewing because we have all these mics. I know. The ASMR of <sighs> chewing, I feel so bad for him. And it's one of his pet peeves. Me too. Honestly, he hates it. It's like nails on a chalkboard for and him. And he has to listen for sound, or at least, I mean, that's what he does. So it's, I, I always I am like trying to chew so quietly because <laughs> I just sympathize. This is so funny because Anna hates the way I chew. Yeah, that Jesse hates the way I chew. We get in arguments about it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm like, this is how I eat. This is how I enjoy my food. Yeah, Yeah, if you're you're having one of those edgy kind of days and it's like, Oh yeah, you, you chew the wrong way. Oh yeah, it can spark a whole. Oh, it yeah, did. Yeah. I put it, it did. Like this a, was like last week. We I had a huge like a spark. On or music I was like, or I can eat the way I want. <laughs> Just 
put some like put a TV show on so it's now like, looking back I'm out. like I'm like that's what we did we were watching I TV do. I was like if I can't chew this way in my own home with the TV on I'm gonna be triggering so many listeners that hate people who chew they're like oh no but I have girl. that thing where I'm like sensitive to the it's not the crunching it's the mouth sound of it yeah right a lot of people have that it's a thing guys I'm sorry but Nikki I know. but I find like if you have music or just some other background noise it's not that bad but it's when it's silent and you just have that noise even my own I'm like (laughs) (laughs) such a mean friend I'm just kidding you probably hate editing the taste test I mean sometimes I do it with the sound off (laughs) when we're chewing I'm like and that's gone very very funny yeah I'm sure like I think the things we can relate with sometimes and it's these simple things of like yeah. fighting in relationships, mm-hmm. chewing in relationships, <laughs> eating too much food or whatever, you know, whatever it is. That's often the thing that people like look at their partner and like, yeah, we do that exactly. too. I love it's that, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it's very funny. Speaking of like Carl's Jr. and all this kind of stuff that's happening now, what do you think? It's, it's, um, it's kind of taken the fast oh food world by storm. It's insane. I never, ever would have thought that we would be here with, I never in a million years thought that Carl's Jr. would have a vegan burger. I know. Like, that's so crazy to me. And um, especially, I'm coming up on four years vegan now, so there was nothing at most fast food places. I remember Burger King had a, a veggie burger, but it wasn't vegan. So to eat vegan at fast food, I mean, really our only options were like El Pollo Loco and then Taco Bell. Um, but now it's so easy, which is great for middle America because heart disease is such a thing. Like I think almost everybody has at least one family member that has some sort of like health problem or heart problem. And, and to have that option for people to do a meatless Monday as easy as that as easy as going to a Carl's Jr. and getting a vegan burger is just it's crazy it It also just makes it less weird you know what I mean yeah it's not as weird because so many people are like hey have you tried it's so funny when people are like hey have you heard that like Carl's Jr. has a vegan burger now I'm like yeah I I know (laughs) (laughs) I'm the first to know (laughs) yeah (laughs) but um but I think it I think sometimes there's this perception that vegan food is like this weird like cold lettuce slimy yeah (laughs) like salad weird concoction and when you just see it at a as a burger right next to the other burgers Mm -hmm. that you're already eating I think it just normalizes it a little bit more which I think is really good yeah it's in the mainstream yeah 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 it's funny actually you say that because like you get people like oh I don't like vegan food it's like well, did you have like any fruit today? <laughs> yeah. Did, did you, you eat a smoothie? Did you like? have peppers and onions in your fajitas? Yeah. Like, it's vegan I say food. all the time. Yeah, know? it's so mm-hmm. weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 kind of funny. But yeah, the fast food industry is waking up. Um, shout out to McDonald's. What's going on? I know. Like, um, Come on. Yeah. I know. I want I want those fries to be vegan again. Those were my favorite fries. <laughs> I dream about I know, them. I loved those too. I will say though um, that I do notice that with things like this, like the more vegan options there are um, for vegan junk food, there is like the other side of the vegan community that's very health focused and they get very upset by the promotion of, um, of those types of products mm-hmm. because even though they're healthier than some of the like cheese laden you know, typical products, they're still not as healthy as a whole food plant-based diet, right? So there is like a sort of a battle within the vegan community. And I think that at the end of the day, like both sides need to realize that we're all on the same team because again, you get a lot of comments like that, like about oil or about this or that. And I think the message needs to be that it's however people want to be vegan is 
is good and that yes you should eat as many fruits and vegetables as you can but you should be able to treat yourself I mean we have a box of donuts in front of us (laughs) and cookies but you know we're all gonna have vegetables at some point today and it's all gonna be fine and I think promoting that kind of like balance and being middle of the road is something that we also try to really do yeah also just like supporting a lot of people have issues with supporting like a fast food company that has burgers and then they're also selling a vegan product but it's just such a dangerous mindset to get into. Like we have to celebrate every win that veganism has. And that's a win because that's getting, that's reaching people that maybe have never heard of veganism before or would have never tried it, but they have the opportunity to. So yeah, I it is, it is kind of like a big picture outlook. So yeah, yeah again, I think a couple of points that you bring up that I, I'd like to unpack here. So the, the fast food unhealthy side of veganism versus the healthier whole food yeah. plant-based style of veganism yeah we need to take away the the team aspect there you know mm-hmm. we're not against each other um both are so important in society uh i suppose whether we like it or not they are seriously important on one side we have the whole food plant-based diet that is the only diet in the history of this planet that is found to stop and reverse heart disease mm-hmm. You know, that's groundbreaking. Yeah. So, yes, super, super important. On the other side of the fence, we've got fast food chains that are known for causing that exact heart disease. Mm -hmm. But what we need to remember is they also kill a shitload of animals. Yeah. And destroy the environment. And and destroy the environment in in doing so. Mm -hmm. So, by them choosing to have one vegan option on the menu... And then giving that option to people that are going to walk through the doors of these establishments regardless Mm -hmm. is huge. So huge. So they're not asking you to walk through the doors and buy it. Right. You don't have to do that. You you can still stick with your whole food Mm plant-based diet. Stay on that track. Um, Speak up about that track because it's it's needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, both sides super important. But this fast food side... Yeah, I, I feel like if they want to stay in business, they're going to have to go this route yeah. anyway. Yeah, yeah it's I exciting. I saw that um, Tim Hortons yeah. trialed some breakfast stuff. Yeah. And then today they decided to add some like stuff to their lunch menu as well. Really? Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, our friend Candice from Edgy Veg, who is amazing, yeah, uh, she did a, a taste test of that, the Tim Hortons, which we don't have. No. But I no, really, it's Canadian. I, I know. Yeah, yeah. She's, yeah, she's in Toronto. Yeah. But, um, but also before uh, I went vegan, I eat cheeseburgers and I didn't eat them every day. So I don't think that because there's a vegan option and that you eat a vegan cheeseburger that anyone's really saying that this is something you should have every day as a health food. I think it's right. known that these types of foods are treats. And uh, yeah, it's like good is not the enemy of great. You know, like you can you can support every right step in the right direction yeah. and without I- going all the way over. I always get confused when people say, oh, I tried being vegan, but I I had all these health issues or I got, you know, whatever. For health reasons, I had to stop being vegan. It's always, it blows my mind. It's always so confusing to me. And I've, ne- I've my health has improved tremendously since I went vegan. And it's a big reason why I stayed vegan. But I think that a part of that was that I never got into these like restrictive vegan diets. Like I never really did the high carb, low fat. I never did no oil. I just ate what I liked to eat normally and veganized it. And sometimes that's junk food. Sometimes that's more healthy. And I think because I was eating all sorts of things, I like, 
that's just the healthiest way to like I think when you start demonizing certain foods and you don't listen to your body that's yeah. when you get into trouble yeah yeah and social media kind of has a part to play in this I don't know, just from my own experience this week. So this week we went to plant-powered fast food in oh, Long Beach. Yes. They just opened up. Yeah. I just had that last week. Yeah. Oh, so so we, good. we went there and then we found ourselves at this vegan pop-up last night uh-huh. uh, with Alex from uh, Veg- Vegetinos. And he's a very nice dude. Mm-hmm. And he's so nice, in fact, that he took us to every stand at the pop-up and mm-hmm. said, hey, guys, these, you know, they're with me. They want to... They want to try, you know, your burger, your mac and cheese, whatever it is. And we ended up, you know, taking photos of it, putting on social media. And then you kind of become conscious that, oh, hang on. This week I just promoted burgers and fries at Plant Power <laughs> yeah. Fast Food. Yeah. Yeah. And then I promoted like <laughs> seriously overeating at this pop-up and it was all like, you know, junk food. Yeah. So, yeah, in my own head, it's like, okay, how do I balance that out now? Yeah, I need I to go and make too. some, you know, some fresh spring rolls or mm-hmm. like something healthy. So it's yeah. just a snippet. That's the social right. media. That's what I'm trying to say. So social media is just a snippet of our day to day. It's yeah. not, I don't eat that or we all don't the eat time. that all yeah. the time. Exactly. Of course, yeah. like your body kind of tells you too. It's like when you do, when we go to these vegan festivals and we of course have to try everything because yeah. they're all in one spot. It's so easy. But then the next day, your body's going to be like, hey, I need some vegetables or hey, I really want a fruit smoothie. Like if like if you're in if you're aware of what's happening, like you can't get away with eating like that all the so time true. and not feeling not amazing. No, it's so true. Balance. Well, girls, I think we've covered a ton today. Yeah, it's been a lot great. of fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> before we before we wrap it up, though, I'd like to hear where we can find you. So, you know your own Instagrams, your own YouTubes, and then the vegan view. Cool. Um, so you can find me on Instagram at Hannah Hagler, just my name. And same thing with YouTube. You can find me if you search Hannah Hagler. And then I also have a blog, which hasn't been posted on as much because video has kind of taken over, but that's hellohanna.com. And then you can also find me on the vegan view on YouTube. Yeah. Um, okay. So I have a YouTube channel called Nikki Vegan. My Instagram is Nikki Vegan. It's N I K K I Vegan. Um, I have an ebook that is called 30 Vegan Breakfast. So you can just go to shopnikkivegan.com and it's only $10. It's a month of vegan recipes and it also has a little bit about how veganism uh, sort of changed my life and my relationship to food. So I wrote, it, wrote about it there and then um, also on the vegan view. Woo! Beautiful. <laughs> go this take a awesome. look, guys. Let them know that you listen to the podcast and what you thought of it. Thank you, girls. It's been awesome. Thank Thank you you. so much. This was fun. (laughs) Ew. (laughs) Well, guys, that was a heap of fun. Donuts and cookies were definitely eaten. And hopefully I can make the dream of a grilled cheese taste test on The Vegan View a reality. Please head over to Hannah and Nikki's YouTube channels. You can find them at Nikki Vegan and Hannah Hagler. You'll find a heap of delicious vegan food on Nikki's channel and some awesome cruelty-free beauty and fashion tips on Hannah's. And of course, don't forget to check out The Vegan View. If you'd like to chat about any of the topics we covered today, please head over to the VegTalk Instagram page and drop me a message. I'd love to hear what you thought of today's show or any of the ones you've been previously listening to. And if you're sharing screenshots on social media, please tag us so we can repost 
you can tag us at VegTalk. That's V-E-D-G-E-T-A-L-K. So next week, guys, we have Powerhouse, Plant Strong Couple, James and Dahlia Marin on the show. These guys are registered dietitians and they work with Angie Sadeghi, who was a previous podcast guest. Uh, if you'd like to check them out this week before the show, head over to Married to Health on Instagram. That's all one word. Until then, guys, keep it plant-based. Have a great week. And I'm really looking forward to catching up with you all then.